Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Laura Hale and Sam Page. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Get rid of that. Okay. <laughs> like I said, this is a little... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Welcome to another episode of LOA Today, and uh, I am pleased, first of all, to welcome Laura Hale, who was just on the show yesterday, and we liked her appearance so much, we decided to invite her to be a co-host, and she accepted. So, hey, Laura, nice to see you two days in a row. Hi, I'm excited to be back, yeah. Yeah, so thanks for joining us and signing on as as a more ongoing permanent resident here at LOA Today. And, uh, of course, Sam, that means you, we have another person to chat with each time. This is going to just make things a whole lot better, right? Works for me, yeah. More perspectives and everything. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be really good. <laughs> and, of course, we have our special guest joining us today. His name is Rick Ranellis. And like so many people uh, experienced through the pandemic, people ran into unexpected walls because of what, what we experienced. And we were in lockdown, right? And we're dealing with the fear of you know, what's going on with this raging virus and people dying and hospitals filling up and so forth. And among other things, we ended up, many people ended up in a situation they're not used to. They had to stay home. And it, 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 kind, of, it, it kind of forced some issues for some people, for a lot of people. And, and I think Rick was one of those people. Um, he actually had a, a rather dynamic experience that came out of it. I won't I won't take his thunder away. I'll let him tell that story himself. But he ended up writing a book about it. It was very recently published. And of course, that's one of the reasons he's on the show. So Rick, thank you very much, first of all, for joining us. And I'm just going to turn the mic over to you and let us let you tell us what happened. Well, first off, uh, thank you for having me on the show, Walt and, um, and Sam and Laura. It's a pleasure to be here with you two as well. So I'm glad to be on a, a multi-hosted show. <laughs> appreciate that. And Sam, I love your energy. You're, you're, you're very oh. positive. I can feel it through the screen. So that's oh, awesome. You too, Laura. Well, thank you. Is, there you go. Kind of dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it a little more. But, right. but yeah, Walt. So thank you for, for doing the intro because you're exactly right. The, the time of the pandemic and the time of the quarantine was a difficult time for me. Like it was for a lot of people, as you mentioned. And in March of 2020, that's really when everything changed for me as it, as it did for the world when we went into quarantine, because I found my coaching business that I had had since 2015 was uh, slowed down significantly, almost to the point of no revenue coming in. And, and I found myself getting really fearful and anxious and uncertain uh, without having any control of my future. Uh, We all like to have that illusion of control that we have control. And I realized that I didn't. And very quickly. And for me, that was not a comfortable place because I'm someone that likes to have the structure and the organization and no plan and everything. And, and not knowing that uncertainty was really challenging for me. And so I went in, into that dark place for a, for a short time for at, at least luckily for me, it only lasted a few weeks, but where I was very anxious and fearful and was wondering how I was going to pay my mortgage and and what, uh, what I was going to do, just not knowing what the future held. And then I realized it just kind of hit me as I was thinking about it and praying about it, that I was far better off than so many others. Um, like you had said in the, in the intro there that people were dying and people were struggling far worse than I was. And, and so who was I to, to really think that I had it bad? And I decided to write a blog about using the time as an opportunity 
to help others and to be grateful and to focus on more on service. And in writing that, it, it reminded me of this story that had been in my head for 20 years that I hadn't written because I always use the excuse of not having time uh, to write it. And, and that's when I started to write my book, 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World, uh, when all of a sudden I had plenty of time on my hands, as we all did. And rather than, you know, binge watch another Netflix show and, and re, reorganize uh, the garage for the fourth time, I decided to... Uh, you have a very organized garage. I'm glad to oh hear that. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was terrible. My wife, we did it one way, and then she wanted to do it again, a different way, and then a different way. And we redid the backyard, and oh, my gosh, it was so much. But but in that time, I said, okay, I'm going to channel my energy into writing. And so that's when that's when I, I wrote my book. And, and during the time of writing, it was a really spiritually connected time for me where I realized that I needed to do more to inspire others and needed to do more work to spread positive change and, and help others that were in a not as good a situation as, as I was. And what came out of this? Like what, what's the upshot of all of this? Well, I did, I did complete my book in, uh, in under three months. So I completed my book in, in a very short period of time when my writing, uh, it just started feeling like it was being downloaded to me that, uh, my writing flourished where I went from writing like 500 words in a day to over 2000 in a couple hours. And, and it felt like I was just, just, uh, you know, it was being dictated because I, as I said, I was really spiritually connected and, and, and then I, in the time of writing, during that, that time, I was having dreams and visions and all these, just a flood of creative ideas of things I needed to do, things I needed to create. And that's where, um, where the idea for iSpark Change was born, the organization that I started in the end of 2020, iSpark Change, which the, uh, the mission of iSpark Change is to empower others to spread positive change and elevate social impact. And the idea for that and everything that it would become was born out of that period of writing and spiritual connection and ideas. And since then, I've been uh, growing Ice Park Change. It's been my primary focus uh, for you know the past year and a half of growing it and building a community online and sharing the work that others are doing to, to spread positive change. And we just launched a podcast a, a month ago to amplify others uh, that we call social impact heroes that are doing good work in the world. And, and it's grown quite a bit and our community on social media has grown uh, a lot. And there's uh, what, one thing I've realized is that there are a lot of people uh, that are, that want to make the world better in, in, in some capacity and that are out there and want to improve not only their situation, but improve things for others. And so there's plenty of people out there that have that common goal. Which is a nice thing. That's a thing that makes you feel good, doesn't it? Because now you feel like you're not doing it on your own. You've got a whole army you're working with. Yes, exactly. And I, I will say, Walt, is that that was the really, that was the big challenge for me because I felt that I had, I was being pulled towards service for not pre, pre-pandemic, pre-quarantine. I had been pulled towards service for a few years and always felt, you know, like, sure, I could serve in, in different ways. I can volunteer here or, or, or there and, and do some things locally. 
but I never really felt that I could have this global impact, you know, that I could have this world changing kind of impact. And once I realized that all of us have that potential, that every single one of us, you know, all three of you and then everyone has that potential to have that global impact by doing positive actions on a daily basis, no matter how small you may think they are, that they have um, what they have that ripple effect, which since then we've coined um, as a spark moment that it's, it's that spark moment that leads to a, an ongoing ripple effect um, that has a much greater impact than the initial act. And, and that's where I come to the realization that, you know, that's, that's essentially, I guess the mental space that I live in now is that all my actions have that kind of effect that they can have, they can be spark moments that are going to have a life-changing effect on others. And I've seen it represented in my work in the, in the past a year and a half. And I've seen examples of that with others multiple times. I mean, hundreds of times um, in the, in the past few months, which is extremely gratifying. And it shows, like you said, is that there are, there are people out there and people want to make the world better. And, and there are, there are people doing great work out there. That's a very exciting thing. Um, one other question too, you talked about how you, you were inspired to write the book. Like you, it was like, it was being written for you. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was something along that line that, that it, the, it was like you were being spoon fed. What was that like? Well, it, it was actually a, a tiny bit scary initially because the book was the book. The original inspiration for the book was a, a major car accident that, you know, I can share that story in a sec, but it was a major car accident um, that I was in with my family 20 years, 21 years ago now. And so I was, the book is a fictional story, but it was inspired by that original true event. But as I was writing and the book is about an angel that is sent down from heaven and he finds himself trapped in an elevator with 10 individuals overnight for a period of 12 hours. And that's why it's named 12 hours of heaven. And during their time of being trapped together, he's able to help them through the biggest challenges that they are each facing in their lives. Uh-huh. And they all learn a lesson, the lessons for a better world, the subtitle. And I think I was learning a lot of lessons in my writing about myself and about who I am and everything. And that's where I felt that, that God was teaching me. And, and I felt so spiritually connected that I, as I said, it was scary because I felt a closeness that I had never felt uh, to God or the Holy spirit or however you want to look at it or, you know, for you guys or your listeners, but I, I felt a closeness that I had had only felt maybe little glimpses, you know, just little tiny glimpses and of periods in my life where it lasted, you know, maybe for a, a minute or two or, you know, seconds, things like that at special certain events and, and times in my life. And it went on for like five, six weeks. Like it was just that closeness, that connectedness of when I would write and, and just kind of all the time. And so it was kind of scary. And I didn't share that. I didn't share with anyone. I didn't tell it, tell my wife of you know, 25 years. I didn't tell my kids. I didn't tell anyone about what was going on. I mean, I would just kind of write in my office here and in the privacy of my office. And I, you know, the door closed and I'd be in here for a few hours and I'd come out and, and just kind of changed, transformed, but I, I wasn't really sharing that. And it felt, I, I don't know if it was that I was 
I don't know if I felt that I would be judged or that I was scared or maybe I felt that people would you know, not believe what was going on or you know, think I was crazy or I, I don't know. But it, it felt it also felt really personal and really special and I didn't want it to end. And, and I almost felt like if I shared what was going on, that it might stop. And and it did it it, it did kind of stop when I finished writing. If when I finished writing, that's when it, it, I guess, you know, that kind of closeness stopped and, and I still search for it and I'm writing a, a follow-up book. So I, I, I'll often search in my writing for, for that connectedness again. Um, but when I finished, I felt, and I felt this incredible urge to tell everyone what had been going on. So I, first I told my wife, you know, when, Saturday morning, you know, and we had woken up and we we're just kind of chatting in bed and I, I shared it with her and, and she started crying and, and was very supportive. And, and then I, I had a, a zoom call like this cause we're still in quarantine. So I had a zoom call with my mom and my sisters, um, who, um, don't live in Texas and, and they had the same kind of reaction, very supportive and, and all got, um, got very emotional and everything. And then with my, with my daughters and, and their significant others and, and, um, and some close friends. And then I just, one morning, I, like I said, I felt such an urge to share. I just went in my backyard and I stuck my phone on a tripod and I recorded a video and I posted it on Facebook. And, and then it had got thousands of views in a very short period of time. And, and people were super supportive for the most part, just very, very supportive. And then I, I realized I was onto something and that's when I took off with Icepark Change and said, all right, I'm going to start this community and, and people are searching for positive change. People are searching for hope, especially at that time. And so it was, it was the mess, the, the, those were the messages that I needed to, uh, you know, the reinforcing messages to go ahead and follow through with what I thought I was being called to do. So, Laura, this is going to be your first opportunity as a co-host, because before you were just a guest, now you're a co-host. So do you have a question or two for Rick? Yeah, I do. I want to know um, what, okay, besides the writing of the book, which I think was probably very surprising, the way that happened and the way it felt, um, with Icebark Change, what has been one of the most surprising things for you? I'd say, that's an excellent question, Laura, and I'd say it's really... I'd say it's really two, two things. And, and the, the first one I'm going to share is not really surprising anymore. But initially, the most surprising thing was that there were so many other people that I was meeting around the world on Zooms like this and, and just connecting with hundreds of people from all over the place that had similar kind of spiritual type connections or with it, it almost like a, like a awakening type thing that people felt like in the time of crisis and the time of a worldwide pandemic, that there were so many other people that were like, Hey, I feel alive. I feel awake. And I, I want to help others. I want to do more to serve others and, and make the world a better place. That there was just people from all over the place that I was connecting with that, that want to improve the world. So first, you know, we have, we often are, 
are at least reminded or told by the media and social media that this the world is this awful place and there's all this negativity and there's all this hatred and violence and racism and all these terrible things that were going on during I was the time I was writing in the middle of 2020. But the reality is that the world is a beautiful place and there's so many other people that are doing work to make it beautiful. So that initially was a little surprising for me, just because I kind of had that mindset, like, oh, yeah, the world's terrible. And, <laughs> and it, you know, it's not so bad. Um, that was the initial thing. And like I said, it's not it's not surprising anymore because there's just so many people that, that I've met in my journey so far. And I continue to meet people, you know, every day. I, you know, I'll include you three in that in that and, you know, helping others, you know, have a, uh, you know, happy day and, and make the world better. And, and the second thing was that, uh, and I don't know if it was just surprising, but that it's a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> Doing something like this is a yes. ton of work. And that, and that even though there's a lot of people that do want to make the world a better place, not everybody wants to put the work in and not everybody is super supportive. And thankfully, I think I was taught that lesson very early because you know, I have this wonderful dream and I have this vision and I want to create this, this, um, this community and, and, and have big goals for ice park change of impacting and connecting a billion people in the next five years and these huge goals. And what I learned very early, and I think I learned it very early because, um, as one of my mentors told me, it was, it was a lesson I needed to learn at that time was that, no one is going to, it's my dream and it's no one else's and no one is going to be as passionate about it as I am. And, and even there was some people very, very close to me that, that, uh, for very close friends and family members that when I shared the idea, they were just kind of like, eh, like, Oh, that sounds great. Like, Hey, good for you. You know? And, and, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sam, it was like, whew. and, and that's where I, you know, at first it hurt a lot it hurt a lot because you're expecting them. I was expecting like the, the support I had from my wife and my sisters and that, Oh, they're going to just, you know, want to change the world with me. And they're going to go, you know, run to battle with me, if you will. And they were just like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm I just, Hey, I, I, yeah, it's great that you're doing that, but that's it. And, and one of my mentors, he, he said that, you know, every, all the work I was doing two things. He said, even if you just change one life, it's worth it. And then number two, he said that, Everything you do to make the world better, you're doing for the people that will be impacted and yes. the people that will accept it. Not for the ones that, that won't accept it and the ones that don't, that won't be impacted, but you're doing it for the ones that will. And if you focus on that, then it, it doesn't matter if, if there's, you know, if a hundred people listen and, and, and a thousand people say, yeah, we, we could care less, but it doesn't matter. There's a hundred that, that, that cared about it. And that's what's driven me you know, through all the work and, and all the challenges, um, and will continue to drive me until the, the day I die until the, you know, as long as I work on this. Really good. How about you, Sam? Got a question for Rick before we move on to the next segment? A little bit, actually. Um, well, actually two kind of, I wanted to follow up on what you had just said and the people in your life who were kind of less supportive than you would have liked, have they come around since seeing your success from here? Some in different ways. Yeah. They're, they're supporting in different ways. It just, just, I mean, it, it's, and I guess, you know, we, we, we as humans, or at least I know this has been a challenge for me is to, to, 
you know, to, to have some expectation of people's behavior and, and then, you know, it doesn't live up to that. And that, that's always been a challenge for me because yeah, you think of how you would react in that situation and think, Oh, wow, I would do this and I'd be so supportive and, and they're not. So, so it, I, I'd say everyone has come around to be supportive just in different ways, in different ways. And, um, and that's, that was the great learning for me, like I said, early on to realize that the support's going to, going to take on a, a thousand different forms. And, and even if it's not supportive or even if they support me in their heart, then that's great too. And, and that's, uh, I just have to take comfort in that. For sure. For sure. And yeah, you definitely can't control how other people react to. So there's that as well, but I'm glad they come around and there's definitely different ways that people can show support. Um, but my other question kind of speaking of something I kind of touched on is just that I was surprised to learn you kind of started right in the midst of the pandemic. Cause from looking at your website, it seems like you're, um, this is just very successful already, which is amazing. And so love seeing that. And I guess like where, what's your, what's, been the best part of this whole thing so far and also where would you like to see it go from here the uh, just a one note on on your on your comment about the success so far i think that's a, a factor of us doing the work that we're supposed to to do that you know like i said i i feel felt very called to do this work and so i think you know we're being supported by by um you know, God, the universe and, in doing what we're supposed to do. And as far as, as, um, you know, the second, second thing you're asking about, um, about so far, what's you were asking about now, I just went completely blank about, um, <laughs> I don't quite remember yeah. either, but something was, what's your favorite thing that's happened? Yeah. Yeah. There? So far. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it, um, I'll go back to, um, I'll go back to what I was saying about just connecting with people from all over the world. Cause I still do that on a daily basis. You know, just, just, um, just last week, I, I did a, a guest speaking for this organization, um, one health world where there was people from like 70 countries on there and, and all these, you know, countries in Africa and Asia and all over the place. And, and just to connect with so many people and see that so many people want to improve the world, that, that's been really special. Definitely. I love that. Really yeah, good. Thank you for asking. Well, this is good. Th- first of all, thanks for sharing your story. It's a really cool story. And uh, we'll include a, a link in the show notes so that people can find the book and, and go read the book, especially a fiction book. It's nice to have a good story to read. So, yeah, <laughs> really cool stuff there. Yeah, thank you. So let's move on to our next segment, which is the uh, uh, the Q&A segment, so to speak. And uh, ideally, what we're moving to, hopefully in the near future, is having listeners uh, send in their own questions, because those are actually, in, in, in our experience in the past, those are the best ones. They're the ones that could take an entire hour to do one particular question, because we go so in-depth with them. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for those to come in, uh, like I said, I, I grabbed some questions off of social media. And, and there are a lot of people out there who post asking for help about various things they're dealing with. So I, I grabbed a few of them. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what uh, the group's uh, response is going to be to each one of these. What well, We won't go through all of them. We won't have time for that. But we'll get through whatever we can. So I'm going to start off with somebody. This is a little bit uh, off the beaten path. As, uh, you know, in terms of what you normally get, but I found it to be really intriguing because I found some things in it that I personally identify with, and I'll tell you what those are in a moment. Um, but this person said, hi, everyone. 
I've been struggling with a mental health issue for as long as I can remember. I don't know how to explain this, but I will try my best. My mind is perpetually blank. I have no thoughts, absolutely none. I can force myself to have a thought, but it takes tremendous effort and it's very muted. And when I'm in a conversation, I tend to depersonalize, but I can hear what the other person is saying, but not understand it, process it, or have thoughts in response to them. It feels like my brain is running at 10% of what it should be. I don't know what to do because it's affecting every aspect of my life. It's nearly impossible to communicate this as I, I really don't have thoughts and it has caused depression. I don't believe depression is what causes, but depression is a byproduct of having this blank mind as it causes loneliness and isolation. I guess I just don't understand what it is. Now, I had a therapist before, but it wasn't that helpful as he had no clue what it was. All he said is that this isn't in the DSM, so I guess it's an undiscovered mental illness, unless if, if how I'm explaining it isn't the best. Anyhow, I'd appreciate you reading this post, and I'm wondering if anyone can relate. Do you know how to fix this? And he says, thanks and have a good day. Now, this is like, this is really very, very different from perhaps what you were thinking about the, what's the Q&A going to be about? This is probably like the last thing that was on your list. And, and I've already addressed this one. If you want me, I can go first because this is kind of off the beaten path. But I'm curious, do any of you have a response that you want to give to this guy? Well, first of all, I don't know, because I thought that kind of like, you know, with meditation, mindfulness, there's this layer of, you know, the spirituality world where getting rid of your thoughts is kind of the goal so that your thoughts aren't running you and you're kind of choosing your thoughts instead of being run by your, for lack of a better phrase, like monkey mind, that's, you know, keeping you all stressed out. So it's interesting. This person seems to have the opposite problem and feels lonely because of it. It feels like they can't connect with people. I would get a brain scan. That's what I would do first. Because, <laughs> I mean, you'd want to rule out. Because, you know, he's saying a mental illness. But what if it's something physical? That's, I mean, to me, it's. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea that it takes so much effort to connect and speak to someone. I think is really interesting because. I don't necessarily think about my thoughts when I'm speaking. It's like, you know, if you have, especially when someone asks you a question, that's a simple question. You just, you just answer it. You know what I mean? So I'm interested in now how the brain works, the thoughts connecting to the, the words. So I would go off on a whole tangent about that, but maybe someone else should answer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else want to take a stab? I don't have much that there's a lot. I, to process there in a way and I don't know a lot but I agree with what Laura said it could be a more like neurological thing rather than just like mental health so it could go deeper than that so that might be a good idea um but the only other thing I can suggest is just not to judge yourself for that this is just who you are and there's nothing wrong with it it may be unusual but that's what makes you unique and like as Laura was saying there could be some positive aspects to it like you if you're not having thoughts then there's nothing then you already have that lane right into the zone that most people are trying to reach in meditation so there is that and whatever it is i'm sending you lots of love and hoping or trusting that this will work out for the best for you i like that that's really good did, did you want to jump in rick yes actually i i, I love it. laura and sam what, what you said because i think those are are spot on you know if you were to i guess diagnose someone to, to get a brain scan. And I've, 
I've done work with neurofeedback and, and that's been beneficial for me with focus and, and my daughter still, still does that, um, herself for focus and everything. And, and that's one of the first things that, that they would do is they would do, do a, a, what they call a brain map or, or brain scan. There's different things you could do, but just make sure, like, like Sam said, it's not something neurological, you know, physiological with the different areas of their brain. I mean, that individual may have had a stroke and not know about it. There's lots of things that, that could have happened, um, from the different areas in the, in their brain. But, um, but if it's determined that it's not, then I, I would, I, um, would be curious as to what um, what their definition of thoughts are, because if they're if they're thinking if they're essentially analyzing what they should be thinking in a given point in time, like in a conversation, for example, then they're having thoughts at that time. The thoughts are their analysis of what they should be thinking. So, I, I, I would. Now, if they're, if they're therapists, you know, they, they spoke to a therapist and then they asked all these questions, but those would be the biggest questions that I, I would have as to, you know, what's, what's their definition of thoughts? Um, and if it's completely blank, then maybe it is something physiological, but, but I would say there's, there's something there. Um, there's something more to it. There's some, there's some more, something more to the, to the picture. And, and I love what Sam said about, you know, we, we all have, have uh different components that make up who we are and whether they're physical or psychological or mental or emotional or spiritual i mean they all make up the components of of the person that we are and so that person is is beautiful with whatever um you know their makeup is yeah rick that just made me think i mean the awareness that you're not having a thought is a thought that's right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Which is where I would dive into if I was speaking to this person. I would. That's where I would. I would dive right into, you know, what's what's going on there. Um, you know, what are they defining as as a thought or not a thought? Um, because it could be it could be a, a lack of interest it, when they said a conversation, not having a thought to respond to someone. It could be a lack of interest or or maybe listening. Um, you know, lack of of listening. There could be so many other components in, in that chain, I guess, that right. could be a different part of the of the chain that they're saying is a thought, but it's really some other. There's a cog somewhere else in the right, like the process. They're thinking idea. They don't have any idea of what to say back. Yeah, that, the that's thought. the that's what yeah. came to mind for me. Um, this is right. really interesting because what you guys described is essentially what, what I wrote back to this gentleman. But I also shared something else, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but one of the things that I suggested to him was, instead of thinking about this as a mental illness, how about thinking about it as a superpower? Yeah. Completely well, different way that. of looking at it. Because really what you have accomplished, however you got there, it doesn't really matter how you got there. Like Laura said, you got to a place that a lot of people crave getting to. Mm-hmm. Like most people just deal with there's like these all of these random thoughts going through their head. They can't control them. They can't stop it. What do I do to stop all these? I try to meditate. It doesn't work. And here's a guy who can just meditate. Bam! I'm there. Like whoa! There's a superpower for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's really really great. <laughs> you know. So that to me that that just points to a very high degree of mental focus. It that, it's not a lack of thought. It's an ability to be very selective of what you're going to give your attention to. 
and not feeling like you have to constantly be generating thoughts all over the place. So, yeah, my message to him was that it's a superpower. The other thing that I told him, and I, I kind of put it out there to see what his response would be. It, it turned out he has the exact same situation I've got. There is a condition that it, it's not a mental illness or anything like that. It didn't even have a name 20 years ago. Somebody named it in the mid-2010s. It's called aphantasia. And what it is is the inability to create images on demand in your own mind. Ooh. And I have that. For the longest time, I, I seriously went through a large portion of my life thinking nobody actually created images in their mind. That when we said, do you imagine something, they were just doing it abstractly like I was. When I found out people actually had vivid images in their mind, I felt like I was being cheated. I really yeah. felt that way. Yeah. I finally, you know, it's, I've since come to terms with, no, no, it's not that at all. But that was my initial response. I couldn't believe people actually had images in their minds. And since then, I've actually been able, in a very dim way, to start developing images in my mind. I've been working at it. So you can actually develop that as a skill, so to speak. But I knew exactly what he was talking about, because there were times when it seemed like my mind had just gone blank. And add in the fact that in society, we still have a very strong tendency to need to conform. We all have, we all want to be very average. We want to be normal and anybody who exhibits, this is like something we experienced, you know, back in, in elementary school and junior high school and middle school, all that kind of stuff. You know, if, if it was outside of the norm, well, you were, you were strange. You were weird. You know, you weren't, you weren't one of the cool kids if you were like that. Right. So nobody wanted to have anything that was outside of the norm. But since then, fortunately, there are elements of society that are beginning to accept, Hey, outside the norm is actually pretty darn good. I'm, I'm thinking, for instance, about people who are described as autistic. You know, for the longest time, that was considered to be extreme way out there. Now we're beginning to understand more and more about what it is to be autistic. And, and some of it's pretty darn cool to talk about some superpowers. People mm -hmm. who have the, who are on the, on the autism spectrum have some pretty cool superpowers, some stuff that the rest of us say, whoa, I didn't know anybody could do that. You know, so the perspective is beginning to shift. I, I think that's part of what's going on with this guy. He has uh, bought into what so many of us buy into that you got to be normal. No, you don't have to be normal at all. Being normal actually is not as wonderful as people make it out to be. Celebrate your differences. Your differences are actually cool. They're gifts. They're wonderful things that are being given to you as part of a living being. So celebrate that part. Um, and and uh, when I tied in the, uh, the aphantation piece, I, I described that to him. And he wrote back, well, first he gave me a love um, response. So he loved the comment. He said, yeah, that's me exactly. I've never been able to put images in my mind. So I think that's really where it was coming from. He felt like he didn't have the ability to do what other people did with their minds. So he thought there was something wrong with him. There was nothing wrong. He just hadn't accepted who he really was yet and what his real abilities were. And his abilities were substantial. So that's why I brought this one in. I thought it'd be really cool because it really shows some of the times we think there's something wrong. There's nothing really wrong. It's actually quite right. We just aren't giving ourselves credit for it. You know, well, I think the one thing that you shared is really important for people to hear it, it, when you were equating it with a superpower because uh, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jim Quick, um, author of Limitless and, and Celebrity Brain Coach and everything. And for he... He had some brain injuries uh, when he was a, a boy, when he was a child, and he hid that for a long time. And then it wasn't until he was in college and kind of struggling through college that the, the father of one of his friends told him, no, that, that can be your superpower. And then when he started 
when he started accepting it as a superpower that he wasn't the boy with the broken brain, but that it was his superpower that he had recovered from that. Then he, he took off and, you know, he teaches how to speed read and all, all these different things and a phenomenal memory. And, and he, you know, highly successful, like I said, coaches, celebrities and athletes and presidents and people like that. And it wasn't until he embraced the quote unquote unnormal aspects of who he was and what you were saying a few minutes ago about, you know, there's more acceptance of that. And, and I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, we all have flaws and, and that's what makes them, makes us awesome. I, I liked, uh, I, um, like to say we're all flossom because we're all flawed and we're all awesome. So we're, we're all flossom. And, and that's what, but that's what makes us, that's what gives us the awesomeness are the flaws. Cause mm. a, a, a diamond's brilliance doesn't come from the flat parts. It comes from all the cuts and the imperfections and the mm. angles and the, and the, the flaws. And that's what makes it so special and beautiful. And that's what makes all of us so special and beautiful. So what, what you shared with him is, is, you know, awesome in itself to, to share that with him and, and have him hopefully open his eyes to see that as a gift. Yeah. I think perspective really is everything. I say that almost every show, but perspective really is everything. Right, Sam? Do, is there a show that I have ever not said perspective is everything? <laughs> Don't that I can yourself. think of. You said it on my episode. But that was your speaking that was one of the main things i was thinking is like it's so much about perspective and i love just the serendipity of the fact that of all people he could have reached out to it was you who had like the same condition or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and also both what you were saying walt and rick both resonate a lot with me because i've been kind of coming to terms with my own like neurodiversity and quirks and such and so and not judging myself for it so that's yeah this is great all of this (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Now, this is from somebody who is basically dealing with an identity crisis, but I'll, I'll just read what she has to say. She says, um, how do you love others when you can't love yourself? I've been going through a big life crisis. I'm a preschool teacher, but can't afford to do that anymore. I got a botched haircut and hate how I look. I've gained 10 plus pounds as I've been binge eating, even, even though I'm going to the gym. I don't feel good enough for friends, family, or my boyfriend. I hate pictures, and I don't want to go out. I'm going to be 30 next month, and I feel horrible. I'm so exhausted and mentally drained. Help. So definitely a different kind of problem. Anybody want to take a swing at this one? I would just like to attempt to and start by saying just don't judge yourself or be too hard on yourself. There's a lot of circumstances right now that you might perceive as bad or unfavorable but a lot of these things are temporary like the haircut your hair will grow sure it'll look lovely again in a month or sooner and you can always change what you eat you can always and you can't assume that people don't want to be around you or anything and it is hard to find I don't want to say it's hard to find love for yourself, but I think it is for some people because I have a friend who I've told that and he's having trouble with that. So I get that, but like start to find like one thing, just one thing you like about yourself or appreciate about yourself genuinely. And then just kind of focus on that and then maybe find another and another and another and go from there. It's kind of first thing I come up with. Come up with. That's good. That's really good. 
Laura Rick, you want to try something? Well, I would probably, if I were talking to this person, I would tell them to dig really deep into kind of the common thread through all of these things and also go to the point where it started and what was sort of the trigger that kind of caused this cascade to happen in the first place, because I think there's probably a lot of wisdom in there. And it just really seems like this person needs a fire lit under them in some way so that to find something that they're passionate about to go after that. So, you know, Rick's whole platform, I spark change. That's like, that's a way, you know, to go and volunteer or to do something where you're being of service to someone else. Cause that can help shift you really quickly out of that kind of like lockdown. Everything's a mess kind of situation. Also hats are good. <laughs> oh that's great that's great i i'd say that um that i i agree with what what uh sam and laura what you're you're saying about you you can't be really hard on yourself and and that you know things things will change and and look for what kind of the the starting point is for it all i i'd say for for this person would be you know, if she's, if she's wants to love herself, then, and she's worried about not being able to love others because she feels that she can't love herself and, and, you know, kind of this laundry list of, of things that are, she's, um, stating as to why she can't love herself. I, I would, I would ask a couple things that would be, well, what are the things that you love about yourself? Because I, I'm guaranteeing there are some things that, that she loves about herself or ask others what they love about her. I'm sure her students would say that they love things about her or her fellow teachers or her family members and uh, that there would be things that they love about, about her. And then the other thing I would say is that a good starting point would be the stories that she's telling herself. So it, it, it sounds like she's telling herself a lot of negative stories about, Oh, nobody likes this haircut. It's awful. This, or, um, because I've put on 10 pounds, you know, now I look terrible or now this or that, that she's, she has this kind of negative theme running through her mind of, of stories that she's constantly telling herself. And she can try a technique called positive reframing, which is a psychological technique where you look for the good in any situation and you, you reframe a situation to say, okay, well, my haircut didn't turn out the way I wanted. So, What's the positive in this situation? Oh, maybe I can wear it a different way, or maybe I can start wearing hats and see how they look on me now, you know, be more stylish with the hats and, and try different things there. But it, it's, it's really taking that silver lining kind of approach. Um, but if you, if you, if you literally focus on that, um, you will always find a good in any situation. I mean, there is always something, uh, but it does take some effort if you're in that kind of constant negative storytelling mode to, uh, to get out of there. And, and so I, you know, I empathize with her because I, I know I've had bouts with that myself. And, and the longer you stay there, um, the more challenging it is to get out of that, um, that frame of mind. So the, the sooner she can, um, start, like Sam was saying, you know, look for little things and, and work her way out of that, the, 
the sooner she'll be in a place where she feels she can love herself and can love others. That's great. I love, I love what all of you guys are saying. And I love how you all zoomed in on the same thing I zoomed on. The first thing I saw was that first sentence, how to love others when you can't love yourself. Cause she's right. I mean, if you don't have the love to give you, you can't give it. There's no way to give love if you're not feeling it. And it all starts with how do you feel about yourself? So how do you feel better about yourself? And you guys gave some brilliant ideas for that. I shared some of my own to her, but uh, I love the ones that you guys have. They're just absolutely brilliant. And that's, that's really the secret to all this. In fact, when she starts doing more of that, all those things that she was complaining about, they're going to not seem like they were so important anymore. Because really, they all come from, like she said, she, she knew exactly what it was. She wasn't feeling enough love for herself, so she's going through all this other stuff. She's got it nailed. She already has it figured out. All she has to do is just start doing it. So, you know, one other thing she can do, Walt, that I was just thinking of as you were saying that, you know, about not being able to love someone is, is another thing that can help is, is taking your, the focus off of yourself and starting to put the focus on others. I know that that's exactly what worked for me when I, you know, felt in that period of anxiety and isolation is, um, for example, like, her her students if she puts her focus on you know how much she cares for them or how much she appreciates them and start showing some gratitude for um i mean the the effects of gratitude are phenomenal um, when you start practicing gratitude on a regular basis and it's been researched you know i mean in so many studies that show just phenomenal effects so if she can start i mean even just um you know couple things a day that she's grateful for from each day, that'll have a a way of shifting her mind and, and put, taking the focus off of herself and onto others so she can start you know, finding love in other places, I guess. I love the fact that you brought in gratitude and appreciation. That's really good because to me, that is the highest form of what we call high vibration. That's the, that's the best feeling place you can get to. This is the place of appreciation and gratitude, mm-hmm. especially appreciation. I, I, I can, I mean, they're so close. It's hard to, tell them apart. I, I think appreciation is a little bit higher vibe, but that's, that's uh, nitpicking more than anything else. <laughs> but uh, when you appreciate, first of all, it means you're doing the appreciating, right? So now the love is flowing. That love that you felt wasn't really there and where you felt like you couldn't love yourself, you got the love flowing there. Mm-hmm. And now it becomes easier to, because uh, once you get the love flowing in one direction, it flows in all directions. It's not like it's the direct. It's not, it's not like a microphone. Well, you can only hear it if you're talking directly into the mic. No, no, no. It flows everywhere. Just get the appreciation going and it just flows in directions you hadn't even conceived of. So yeah, I love that focus. That's really, really good. All right. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's try, see if we can get one more in here in the time we've got left. This is also one that I can identify with personally. I'm going to be curious to see what you guys have to say about it. Um, but this person, it, it, she and her husband are, well, to put it in her words, we're struggling horribly with money. She says, we've been in poverty for three years and can't pay our rent or afford food. We've been relying on help and no longer want to. Unfortunately, it seems the only way to get out of this is get a degree in something which we can't afford or move to a less expensive state, which we also can't afford. We're trying to get into trading crypto, but again, you need a lot of money to make a lot of money. We've tried donating plasma. Plasma money only covers so much. And we've also tried signing up for medical experiments, but we have too many pre-existing conditions to qualify for any of them. So any suggestions on how to escape the horrors of poverty? I, I, I'll, I'll chime in just, you know, for, for time first, but... I'd say it's a really tough place to be. And, uh, you know, I can empathize that 
that's very challenging when you're in that situation and you're worried about where the next penny is going to come from and, and how you're going to, you know, if you're doing things like selling plasma or signing up for, for medical studies, um, the, the, it's, it has to start with, with up here and it has to start with the, having the poverty mindset. And it, because if that's where she's living and her mind is always in that poverty mindset, then she will always be in poverty. Yes. And it's not until she can change that and and have a mindset of abundance. And even despite, you know, how little as as it may be, but have the mindset that you have enough and um, get out of that lack mindset, then that's when she'll see things will start to change and doors will start to open and and um, there'll be opportunities for money and I mean, it's been written about, there's so many books that have been written upon this topic. And, and uh, I know uh, just relationship with the money is something I, I struggled with years ago, be, growing up with, with, um, you know, family of seven and not, and not, uh, not having a lot that it was something that, that I struggled with as well. And it, until you change that mentality, then nothing else will change. So it's got to start there. And then I'd say just, looking for the opportunities in any situation. Um, because again, when you change the first part, then she'll see more opportunities that she might not have seen otherwise. Really good. Really good. Laura, Sam. Yeah, I would follow that up too with, um, and then take an action step. So I know when I've been worried about money, uh, just doing something, even like getting online to look for a job helps shift me out of the energy of being worried about it. So, uh, the first step changed the thought, but then uh, we talked about this yesterday. I had just reread conversations with God not too long ago. And it's, he had three steps for manifesting and there's a long, there, there are more, but the third one was take the action step. So, you know, there are probably part-time jobs in the community where they live that could start to show them that they do something and they get money for it. And you and get that kind of reprogramming of the mentality to go in. And the other thing that's been really helpful for me is the emotional freedom technique or tapping. I always get on YouTube and just search whatever I'm trying to work on. And, and that helps because it's, it's usually the statements are things that you know to be true. And you're simultaneously kind of working on your, the stuck energy in the meridian lines while you're saying these things and, and rewriting your thought process. So those two things have, have been really helpful for me. Excellent. Got something, Sam? Yes. I, I, I hesitate. I hesitated on this one because I myself have recently even struggled with money myself, not quite to the same extent though. And what's working for me right now is just at the risk of sounding kind of a little more on the woo-woo side is just kind of trusting, just trusting that things are going to work out. Oh, that's hard to say to somebody in that position though. But I think I would just kind of like plus one to what Laura and Rick have said, because they've given very solid advice on this. And okay. yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's good. That's fair. I and I, I know exactly what they're talking about. And, and in fact, um, I, I wrote back telling the story of what Louise and I went through ten years ago because that's exactly where we were at. Um, to, just to give you guys a quick overview of it, 
Um, we had started businesses uh, nearly part of the 2000s, and with the 2008 financial crisis, both of our businesses got wiped out instantly. Mine was a business that was providing um, website hosting and development to uh, very small nonprofit organizations, and in a financial crisis, nobody's giving money to financial organizations, so they all went belly up, which meant my business went belly up, and my wife was providing gardening services, and that's a that's an extra. You don't pay for gardening services in a financial crisis, so that went away. All of a sudden, our income was gone, 100% gone. And we were terrified. And four years later, we're deep in debt. We're just in a horrible place. And what I ended up doing was starting a podcast. That was literally the year I started LOA today uh, because I needed help. I mean, I couldn't afford anything. I couldn't afford to buy a book, let alone a coach. You know, so I figured, well, if I start a free podcast, I can bring somebody on as an expert. They can just teach me for free. <laughs> and we're well, great. But I know that feeling. I, and I know that feeling, you know, intimately. I, I, there's a long story that I won't tell here that I've written about and I've told about on the, on the show. But, um, but Sam, you kind of cued it in my mind that when all else fails, when you, when you feel like you have nowhere else to go, it really does pay to just say, I don't know what to do. God, universe, help me. I really have no idea what to do. And when you do that, there's like a letting go piece to that. And that letting go piece is where you can, if you're just willing to just believe for no other reason than just to believe you can find something coming to you that starts reinforcing like oh my god something just happened oh my god something else just happened what's going on here how did this stuff happen i have no idea but it starts to happen all because you just kind of shift your mindset so i go back to what rick said absolutely you got to change your mindset and all that really amounts to is stop talking about everything that's going wrong and every time you want to talk about something that's going wrong find something that's going right anything it doesn't matter what it is Anything to take yourself off of that topic. Cause that's what's doing it. Rick is absolutely right. That's what's doing it. That's what's keeping you in poverty. You keep going back to this is going wrong and that's going wrong. And this other thing is going wrong. And you just keep telling yourself that story over and over again. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to keep going wrong. You got to shift yeah. that. You got to break that pattern. So yeah, love what you guys were saying there. Rick has to get going. Um, so I want to first of all, Thank you, Rick, for being a part of the program today. Um, tell people where they can find the book and tell people how they can find you. Well, uh, thank you for having me on the show, Walt and Sam and Laura. It's been a pleasure to be here with uh, with all of you. So I really appreciate it and really enjoyed it, um, especially those questions. Those was, was pretty cool. We could probably do that for hours. But, um, right. But as far as... Um, as far as where they can find, if they go to www.isparkchange, the letter I, sparkchange.com, um, they can find us on any social media platform. Um, we're the most active on Instagram. Um, on our Instagram page, they'll find daily motivation, inspiration, content like that on Instagram. And then um, we have, we just launched a podcast just a month ago, I Spark Change Podcast. So it's on all podcast platforms. And then um, we'll, we'll release the podcast next month on YouTube as well. And uh, we're, like I said earlier, we're in the, very early phases of building that community that will become the world's first social media platform that is 100% geared towards connecting and empowering those that are doing good in the world. So one central hub where people that are doing good can connect, um, can support, can find others like them or totally the other side of the world that are working on something that they may be interested in. And um, we'll get the early phases of that you know, going later this year and then impact a billion people in the next five years. So the more people that hear about it on your show, the the better. So they can 
join Ice Park Change for now and uh, and follow us on social media. And then the book is on, you asked about the book. The book is on Amazon and Google and the different places online. They can find that for sure. So thank you very much. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your story and, and uh, your insights. And I'm sure the people we were helping with their questions, they were appreciating it too. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's like I said, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, uh, Walt, Sam, and Laura. And uh, hopefully we can answer some more questions on another day. <laughs> All right. So we'll let you get going there. And we got a couple minutes left. But Laura, I got to ask you, this is your first day being a co-host. What do you think? What's it like on the other side of the mic? It's fun. I really like it. I like being able to chime in and then listen to the whole conversation as part of it too. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a different. It's a different feeling, right? It's less pressure for one thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a whole lot less pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and what gets cool as you get more and more comfortable with it, I, and I saw you doing it, which is great. You, you feel like you can just jump right in at times, and yeah. that's good. That, that's when the discussion just you can just feel the energy flowing. So yeah, I'm glad you just kind of jumped in off the deep end and just said, "Okay, I'm going to go for it today." Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm liking this new format a lot too. Like, I think it's giving me more, more opportunities to speak, and it's just the hours gone by a lot more quickly, but in a fabulous way. <laughs> good, good. Well, yeah. I mean, I I was actually thinking about doing this in the past, like within the last year or so, and I I kind of didn't get, get back to it until I finally I was trying to I've been trying to uh, resolve the issues. You know, Sam, I've been trying to figure out okay, what do you need to do in order to build more audience, right? Oh, yeah. and, and so I was like think, thinking back, okay, so where exactly did we have our best growth? So I went back and looked at the statistics. I said, okay, well, here's the period. There was like this one really good period. And I said, what went on during that period? And I started thinking, I said, oh, we were doing Q&A. That's right. Okay. So that's where that kind of came in. Like, oh, okay, let's, maybe it was the Q&A. Maybe that was really what was exciting to people. I knew we were doing some great deep dives too. So that's where the other part came in. Yeah, so hopefully this is all kind of coming together. But anyway, this is good. So, Laura, once again, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us on a regular basis. This is really, really great. (laughs) And Sam, we didn't have you do it this week, but maybe next week you can prepare a little improv for us. I'd be happy to, yeah, for sure. I don't know if you knew this, Laura. He's he's actually a very accomplished pianist. Every once in a while, he just rips something off for us. Lovely. That would be amazing. So we get little musical interludes occasionally, which is really, really cool. Yeah. He's even inspired me because I, I, for the first time in 50 years, I got a keyboard and I've been playing with it. He's inspired me to like, you know, work on it every day just because of how good he is. I love that. Oh, wow. <laughs> very cool. So, okay. Thank you guys very much. And uh, thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on Galloway Today. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.